This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. Really good morning to be with you today. Good Sunday, middle of phase two. So I hope that you had a good week. But let's focus ourselves on God's word right now. So before we do so, let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so much for the Psalms. We thank you so much for how it really encourages us in Jesus Christ. And we just pray that as we look at Psalm 30 today, uh, that you really help us to dig deep into the treasures, the deep, profound depths of Psalm 30, so that we may know more about you, more more about Jesus Christ, and give us assurance in our faith. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to begin today with a poll. So um, the poll really is, uh, what are the things that you are proudest about? So you should see the poll coming up right now. Uh, so take your time, fill out the poll, and put down what are the things that uh, you are most proud about. Okay, someone already put that they're really proud of their good looks. So don't worry, it's all anonymous. Nobody knows what you're going to put down. So just put down whatever you feel this morning. Okay, I'll close the poll now. But I won't show you the results. I'll show you the results later because that's going to be part of the sermon. So today we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 30. So let's look at the passage itself because I think it's very important that we keep coming back to the passage. Now, before we even look at the passage itself, it actually tells us a bit about the context and the background to the psalm. So the first thing we learn is that this is a song. It's a song and it's a song that presumably is going to be sung at a dedication of the temple. Now that all makes a lot of sense. But the last part is a bit confusing. It's about David. It's of David. Now, I'm not sure about you, but imagine if we had a dedication of the church and, uh, you know, I wrote a song about me, Andrew Ong. And we sing this song about Andrew Ong at the dedication at the church. Now this is a bit weird, isn't it? Because usually if you would think about it, if you have a song that you're going to sing at the dedication of a temple, you probably have a song about God, about the majesty of God, about the power of God. So it's really strange that right at this moment, before we even sing this psalm, we're told that this song is for the dedication of the temple, but it is about David. Okay, It's about David. So the first thing that we see here is that why is it about David? What is it about David that we're meant to learn of as the Jews, as God's people, come to the temple. So this is the first thing that we're going to look at today. So I have this thing called the surprises box. Okay, can you see it's called the surprises box? And that's the first curious thing that we have in today's passage, right? Why is this song, or why is this psalm about David? So let's go ahead and put it into our surprise box. Okay, so as we look at the passage, the first thing we notice is that it is about David as of David. So let's look at the passage itself. Uh, as we look at the passage, what does it say? I will exalt you, Lord, for you have lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down into the pit. So as we look at this passage, uh, it's it's about David, and he is exalting God. 
right? He is the one who is exalting God. I will exalt you, Lord, it says. So why is that? Why will he exalt God? It is because God has lifted him out of the depths, out of the depths of the grave, out of the depths of the pit, right? He was going to the realm of the dead and he's been lifted up. So the picture here is almost like a well. And you know, a deep, deep well. And you, and you know, it's like David was going down this well and God was lifting him up. And he lifted him up by healing him. So God healed David. David was sick. David was going to die. God healed him. Now, this is a, a, a very simple passage, I suppose. It's like a, nothing very dramatic. So let's uh, look at the, the LCD that I have here. So if you look at the LCD, you can see that uh, this psalm, the first part, really is about, very simply, God, sorry, David praising God because he's sick and God healed him and saved him from death. Okay, that's very basic. Now, the next part then, in verse 4 to 5, David then invites the congregation to sing praises to the Lord. Okay, so verse 1 to 3 is about David praising God from healing him and raising him from the dead. But in verse 4 to 5, now David invites the congregation, the people under the king, the faithful people of God to praise God. But this is where the second surprising thing comes about. Because instead of praising God's healing name, God's saving name, what does he say? He says, praise God's holy name. For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Now what a strange thing to to say, isn't it? Uh, Here we have these two parallel images, two parallel metaphors, and both of them come together to show us how God in his holiness gets angry, but his anger is short-lived, but his favor to God's people, his favor to the people under the king, is much, much longer. It is a lifetime. It is the default state in the morning. Favor will return again. Rejoicing will return. Now, this is something that, again, if you look at verse 1 to 3 and verse 4 to 5, again, it's a surprise, isn't it? I, I don't know, maybe it's a surprise to me. I'm very easily surprised. But if you look at this passage, the first part uh, speaks of David praising God because he's sick. But the second part is about the congregation praising God because God was angry, but then favor and rejoicing now come. So if you compare verse 1 to 3 and 4 to 5, there is another surprise. It's like you have David praising God for one thing, and God's people seemingly praising God for another thing. Do you find that confusing? Well, that's another surprise, isn't it? So this is my other surprise. If you look up on the screen, that's going to go in the uh, surprise box, which is how come the congregation praise God's holy name when actually David is the one who's getting healed? Okay, so 
quite a few interesting things going to the surprise box. And how are we going to resolve all these surprises? Well, the answer comes in the very next verse. So let's look at the very next verse, which is verse 6 to 7. So verse 6 to 7, verse 6, I think, is the key to unlocking all the surprises. In verse 6, it says, when I felt secure. So who is the I here? The I here is David. When David felt secure, David said, I will never be shaken. So I think what's happening here is that David is looking back in verse 6. He is reminiscing in verse 6. He is looking to the past in verse 6. And he's saying, there was a time in the past where I felt secure. I felt confident. I felt self-sufficient. And I said with my mouth, and I praised myself and said, I will never be shaken. And this is where all the, the parts and the missing pieces and all the surprises come together. Because what seemed to have happened was uh, David, in the past, had felt self-confident, self-sufficient, and self-reliant. And because of God's holy name, God brought judgment on David. Because, as we can see in verse 7, God was the one who made David stand firm. When God favored David, David was secure. So, David had no right to boast about being secure. David had no right to claiming glory from God that he would never be shaken. He was actually stealing glory from God. And so for, for God in his holy name, so God in his holy name was totally entitled and deserved in judging David. And so he judged David and David got sick. But he didn't die because God saved him, God healed him, God rescued him from death because his anger only lasts a short time, but his favor lasts a long, long time. And what David was saying was the Jewish people, as his people, when they came to dedicate the temple, they were to reflect on David's experience. Okay, so the temple is here. They were to reflect on David's experience and to realize that actually David's experience is the same experience that they experienced as well. If they were in the king, if they were among the faithful of God's people, then what would happen would be that God would be angry with God's people. But his anger one day in a short time would go away and favor would return. See, so they're all worshiping God here at the temple, and as they dedicated the temple, they were to remember God's anger, his holy name was justified, but forgiveness and mercy and favor and salvation would return. So that's the first lesson I think that we're meant to come to as we look at this passage. The first lesson for ourselves, the first lesson for God's faithful people was that God is a holy God. God is justified in judging sin. 
But if we are faithful, if we have someone like King David, then we will be forgiven in the long run. God's favor will return to us. Now, something very interesting that I want uh, to point out to you. I'm going to show you a screen and only very young people can see it, I think, because it's very small. But don't worry, I've summarized it later in the LCD, so you will be able to see it. But I want you to notice uh, that in the beginning of the psalm, how does it begin? It begins with David praising God, I will exalt you, Lord. And how does the psalm end? Verse 12, I will praise you forever. So the psalm begins with praise of God. The psalm ends with praise of God. But right in the very in the middle, what's the middle of verse 1 to 12? Don't know whether your mess is, uh, what's the middle of 1 to 12? Must be verse 6, right? So in verse 6, it says, when I felt secure, I will never be shaken. So it's very interesting, right? Because it begins with David praising God and ends with God, David praising God again. But in the middle, it, it, it is David praising himself. And what seems to be happening here is that David begins the psalm in the present, looking to the future, and ends the psalm at the present, looking to the future. But in the middle, he's looking back and looking at the mistake that he made. So you can see in verse 1 and 12 and 6, it's almost as if David is moving from the present and the future back to the past and again to the present and the future. And what is the lesson there? The lesson seems to be that David has learned his lesson that he will not boast of himself. He will not praise himself. But rather, as they dedicate the temple, he exhorts the people to follow his example, to exalt God, and to praise God. And this is very important because even God's people, even Christians, have a great temptation to boast of our self-sufficiency, to praise ourselves and be self-confident. But David tells his people, as they come to the temple, don't boast of yourself, don't make my mistake, but praise God, exalt God. So many, many years ago, I, I was told this story by someone I know who actually went to a dedication of a new church building in Singapore. And apparently, uh, one of the elders of the church went up and started talking about the, 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 the church and talking about the new church building. And uh, the guest of honor actually was quite offended uh, by what this elder was saying. So what was it that the elder said that offended the guest of honor so much? Well, apparently, the, the elder was saying things like, you know, we built up this church. We, you know, it's our generosity that built this building. Uh, we were the ones who increased the congregation. And the guest of honor was actually very offended because he said that actually it was God that they should be praising. It was God who allowed all these things to happen. Now, I don't know whether you know this guy called Ravi Zacharias. Excellent preacher, very good apologetic uh, person. Uh, you can hear him on the net. There are many, many YouTube videos which I find very helpful and I've recommended his videos to people who have doubts about Christian faith or maybe you're a young person, a teenager, you've got questions. If you look at 
look up to Google Ravi Zacharias, you'll find excellent answers. Uh, recently he died, but uh, someone sent me a video that he actually uh, had uh, filmed just very recently uh, before he died. So I just want to show this video to you because I think it will be very helpful for you. And it uh, teaches us about the danger of boasting of ourselves. Okay, so let me, can you see that? Okay, great. Let me start that. So remain humble. You didn't arrive where you are because of your own skill. Remember that the Word of God tells you you are called there by His grace and by His mercy. Take the Word of God as the truth that you are to believe. And lastly, about that, let me say this. You know, even your voice, even your skeletal makeup, even your muscular build can go like that, just like that. I've met preachers who've lost their voice and cannot speak. Their vocal cords are gone. I battle a lot of back issues, sometimes never sure whether my back is going to make it for another year or so, or for that matter, another day. So everything is fragile and vulnerable. I am not here by virtue of my strength. We are here by virtue of God's call and God's strength. That alone ought to remind us of why we need to be humble. The very voice, the very ability to stand and speak, the very gift of language, the very calling is the gift of God. And if that's not enough to keep us humble, I don't know what will. God is able to bring you to a place of where he wants you. And the best way to get there is to be an imitator of Christ, not a manufacturer of some sense of celebrity in yourself. If you are humble, God will use you. If you are arrogant, he will know how to break you. Okay, so I think that was a very important uh, lesson. Don't boast of yourself, but praise God. Right, that's what David was telling his people as they dedicated the temple. Now, let's move on then to the last section of the passage. And let's look at verse 8 to 12. You should be able to see it on your screen now. To you, Lord, I cried. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced and if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me, Lord. Be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Now, once again, it's very important to see in verse 8 to 12 exactly what it is that David does and what it is that David prays and praises God for. So you'll notice here that a few words keep being repeated. The idea of mercy, the idea of help, the idea of the proclamation of God's faithfulness. And so here in verse 8 to 10, we see in particular, what is it that David praises God for? Right, he cries out for mercy. He says, who will proclaim your faithfulness? And by the very end, he praises God for saving him, as we saw in verse 1 to 3. Now, this is very important. Mercy, faithfulness, salvation. Mercy, faithfulness, salvation. It is these three things that David seems to be praising God for. Now, if you remember, 
uh, right at the very beginning when we did the poll, I asked you what are the things that you are proudest about. So now I'll share with you some of the results that you shared with. So family is one of the things that you are very proud about, intelligence. And so in a sense, when we are proud about things, we are proud of the particular, not the general. Like It's like, I'm just proud of myself. But yeah, why am I proud of myself? I'm proud of my family. I'm proud of my intelligence. But in the same way, when we look at God, when we look to God, when we praise God, we don't just don't praise God and say, oh, hallelujah, God, and that's it. As we come to Psalm 30, there are three things that David wants his people, the faithful people of Israel, to praise God for. And what is it? Mercy, faithfulness, and salvation. Now, one of the sad things is, as we come to us as Christians today, we, we, we look at this beautiful picture of the recreation of the temple. But today, what is the temple like in Israel? Okay, the temple today in Israel looks like this. Okay, it's just a pile of rocks, a pile of ruin. In fact, all that's left of the temple, which was dedicated when they sang Psalm 30, is this wall, okay, the wailing wall of the temple. Now, where then do we go to find God's mercy? Where then do we go to find God's faithfulness? Where then do we find God's salvation? Well, for us as Christians, we are really thankful because we know that in Jesus Christ, that is where we have received God's mercy, His faithfulness, and His salvation. So, Jesus had promised that the temple would be destroyed. He answered in John chapter 2, Destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. The Jews replied, It has taken us 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple Jesus had spoken of was His body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So where do we find the mercy of God, the faithfulness of God, and the salvation of God? It is not in going to Jerusalem and going to that one last wall of the temple. The mercy of God, the faithfulness of God, the salvation of God, we can praise that because we are in the temple, which is the body of Jesus Christ. So where do we see that? Well, we see that when Jesus went to the cross. Because at the cross, Jesus gives us the mercy of God. We can praise God's mercy at the cross in Jesus we see the faithfulness of God to his promises to David at the cross. And we see our salvation at the cross. So I want to close and conclude with one last poll for you guys. And I'm going to ask you this question. How do you feel when you sin or do wrong? How do you feel when you sin or do wrong? Uh, it's all anonymous, right? So it doesn't matter what you wrote down, nobody will know. So this is the results of the poll. And as you can see, many of you feel unworthy of God or even useless. But praise God. Praise God for His mercy. 
Praise God for his faithfulness. Praise God for his salvation. As we've seen in Psalm 30, as God's faithful people, as we cry out to God for help, we know in certainty because we have Jesus, the fulfillment of Psalm 30, that we are worthy before God, that we are not useless because in his mercy and in his faithfulness to us, he will save us, he will restore us, and he will bring us up once again from our fallen condition. So as you come to Psalm 30, I really hope that it helps you to exalt in the mercy of God that you currently have. Praise God for his mercy. And to really know the certain salvation that you have because you are in Jesus Christ. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we thank you so much for your passage in Psalm 30, which teaches us so clearly that you are God who is the same in the Old Testament as you are in the New. That you are a God who is merciful. You, your holy name demands that you bring judgment. But your anger is only for a short time. There is rejoicing in the morning. Your Father, help us to see that you are a faithful God. You are faithful to your people. You are faithful to those in Jesus. And you have promised, and we keep you to that word, uh, that those in Jesus will receive that mercy. And that the final condition for all of us will be salvation. We look at the cross and we see the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we know the promises that have been given. The promises that we see in Psalm 30 have been fulfilled. That your regard for us is one of faithfulness leading to total salvation. And we pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.